0: The following conversation is intended for mature audiences only. Those under the age of 18 or without a sense of humor, listener discretion is advised. There are all sorts of ways in which we love to do this.
1: Amping up the mic. You know what I'm saying?
0: serious about.
1: Amping up the mic. You know what I'm It's an interesting point. Come on,
0: let's get the character. Welcome to Mate Dates, the show where we make the dates with our mates. It's Jay and Bray as usual here to entertain your eardrums. Brayden. I've got the bleach. I've got the disinfectant. Oh. Did you remember the syringes?
1: <laughs> so it can reach out innermost arteries and... Yep. Yeah, that's where it needs to hit, right?
0: You brought them, right?
1: Where did Trump say to inject it?
0: I mean, I don't think he specified. I think he's just happy with wherever. You know, you do you pick your poison sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, you know. He, since <laughs> wherever the veins are. You know, a medical expert like him, he he doesn't really mind where you put it, just as long as you uh, follow his advice. And, uh, yeah, you know, because that's how you cure this thing.
1: Wow. Our glorious overlord of the Western world, <laughs> he has spoken. He has laid it out, all out for us. He's been holding all these secrets in as well. Why yep. did he wait until now to tell us? He's
0: blessed us with his wisdom now, thankfully.
1: Yeah.
0: And, yeah, so- uh, unfortunately, though, he comes out today and says, it's just a prank, bro switches his mind oh so, i didn't see that you didn't see that oh basically was that a yeah, follow-up tweet? yeah well it's not a follow-up tweet essentially but he's he's come out and said oh you know i was just floating the idea i wasn't being serious it's like all right right, right. and actually uh this has been the tipping point now that they're not going to hold any of the daily briefings anymore like they're just i think his team are just like let's just eject this they can't do this <laughs> that's it yeah. you've lost your privilege trump
1: <laughs> slowly think, take him away
0: he was loving it he was really it was, he, you know that's a, a source of uh People ask him questions, feeling like he knows what he's talking about. I'm sure it's yeah. uh, it's very fulfilling. But now, you know, you tell people to inject bleach just one time and you can't speak to them anymore. It's not really fair in my opinion, but, you know.
1: Yeah. Bleach, disinfected. Yeah. All the, just all a little the nasty bleach. chemicals. yeah, Powerful chemicals. Hey, I'll, I mean, look, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit. Like, I did watch him, uh, his, his speech a bit. Um, like... He, Yeah, he's bumbling about, and he doesn't really know how to speak, but, like, it does seem to me that he was floating ideas, but it also, you know, with all of that, it doesn't really give him right of way to float the ideas then and there. Yeah. Um, seemed like the, the wrong time and place to do it, like, it's, it's nice for him to be exploring sunlight and natural remedies, but... It didn't seem like the appropriate time. And especially with the response, everyone was expecting something else or right. taking his advice too seriously.
0: Right. No, that, I mean, you have, a, you have a good point. You know, it's like, why shouldn't we be able to speculate? I mean, I could speculate. You can speculate. Why can't he speculate? And I think the only way to make sense of it for me is that, well, just imagine if Obama was up there saying yeah. some retarded shit about oh exactly. well yeah like you know we have this uh disease you know just try some stuff out inject yourself with whatever like you couldn't even yeah. imagine <laughs> like that taking place right so i think exactly you, you do have a we're, point we're... the devil has a point there but in i think uh <laughs> it is uh just kind of alarming to see because you would think as well that like that if you're the president and you weren't elected mm. as like a medical Doctor, you you weren't re- elected because you had some like magnificent record of saving patients' lives and coming up with innovative, innovative practices in health or something. Then why are you talking about like health at all? Surely you'd yeah. always like that's what Scott Morrison does anyway, always deferring to the 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 chief health officer, the medical officials. They don't just start, but that's I guess that's his brain. He's like, well, I'm an expert, clearly. So let's just. Start. <laughs> But, yeah.
1: Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. Like, it's so unnatural to be uh, knowledgeable and w- wise in all areas, yet he is fulfilling that role. Really and, is, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, as a president, <laughs> you don't really need to be great at really anything but being popular and working the books, right? Like, that's really shaking hands, anything to do with, medical advice it's really out of your realm of uh no I mean, like, it, yeah yeah it
0: ought to be <laughs> you think but um yeah it would so it'd be nice to be both right i mean you could be yeah. you could be a president and an expert in in a doctor you know, president injecting disinfectant i mean it could happen um and so yeah so there's that's the latest corona developments i suppose recently is that mm-hmm. we have uh, all these headlines about injecting yourself i don't know who's trying this at home i'd be very wary of that but not. uh you know yeah disclaimer from us to yeah. try that from home like <laughs> um yeah, we, you know it was crazy have... uh, so i listened to um duncan trussell's podcast and we're going to talk about his show in the next part Ooh, of the show midnight gospel yeah. so stick around for tick, that if tick, you want to hear the review there but he actually said something uh, on this episode that really kind of stuck with me. He said, like, he was sitting on outside his house and someone just, like, ran past or walked past or, like, jogging or something. And they both weren't wearing masks and they, they shared a look. And in Duncan's mind, this is like, I never thought of this, but in his mind he was like, we could have just killed each other. Like, one of us could have killed the other person because we're not wearing masks. We're being a bit, like, frivolous at the moment. And we could have been infected and yet none of we wouldn't even know we would just go along with our days and then two weeks later you get diagnosed and then four weeks after that you have some you know pneumonia that develops and then bam you're gone it was just that one interaction and that's it you're dead it's like you Mm. don't think about it but that's kind of what it's like to have this invisible demon out there right
1: yeah yeah exactly and you know you see those cultures that walk around with masks before all this happened and to a lot of the ignorant westerners we were like they are the alarmist but what it feels like now is that the line where alarmist starts has been pushed back right you're only an alarmist if say you're wearing a biohazard suit now right because it's now become the norm to leave your house with a mask and it's actually somewhat expected especially if you're going into a frequently use public space like a shopping center or a supermarket right.
0: yeah and then on the other end you got people that seem to be like almost enforcing the mask like if you're not wearing a mask you get looks and you get like this is like not like it's on both ends where you're right mm. they're, they're either you think that it's totally over the top and it is alarmist or you think why'd you wear your fucking mask put your mask on like you're killing us all with your leakage but uh yeah i mean the solution to that is just you know try not to go outside as much as you can i mean apparently uv light does work put it under your skin does do the trick but uh (laughs) yeah Uh, so and also as well i think we should be talking a little bit about this you know we, we haven't gotten too deep into the politics of this stuff uh we've more just talked about the surface level of you know our continued lives under pandemic reality but there has been a few interesting developments that I want to get your uh, opinion on. So, this also happened this week. The CEO of YouTube, Susan Waj- Jack. I, I, full- I don't know how to say that. Was is called something? I'm sure that's... Wojcik. Yeah, that's close. Wojcik. Like So, she comes out and says uh, that YouTube will now be blocking or removing or banning, potentially, all videos and content creators that put out videos about this topic Uh, pandemic, corona uh, adjacent topics that contradicts the WHO and this is interesting to me because Mm. I guess as a child, I consider myself a child of the internet to some degree, I definitely wasn't as invested in all of these things as they were happening in the Uh, early 2000s and before 2010 but I was a kid and I was online and I think that if you grew up with YouTube if you grew up with you know forums and all this stuff you have this idea of the internet that's just it's untouchable like keep your censorship and your keep all of that out like it's just not the place for it it's it, I would even say like before 2010 there was like an idealism about the internet that it was going to solve all of the, the world's problems with respect to censorship and all this stuff and it was kind of going to be the uniting force we all had access to it it's free it's it's completely the same wherever you are and then after 2010 you have all of these things happen where social media uh, businesses take more uh, effort in you could call it censoring or removing content they don't like or that they deem politically inappropriate or just inappropriate in general. And you also have places like China that create their own internet. So they're sort of isolated from the rest of mm-hmm. the information that we all get. So you sort of have the opposite of what the internet was originally intended for, which is supposed to be global and the same. It's sort of now becoming like like groups of, of connected individuals. And you can imagine countries that have control will start censoring all the information. And so I just thought this was a a really... Big move for YouTube to come out and say, if you contradict the, this this institution, that has actually been very publicly wrong in the last couple of months, right? About masks and about um, person-to-person transference of the virus, right? In early January, the WHO was saying things like, "You can't contract this person-to-person. Don't even worry about it." And so, if you were in January and you said, "Hey, WHO, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's gonna. Maybe this is actually going to cause a global pandemic, and that's completely wrong," <laughs> you would have been banned, yeah. right? So, it's. I don't know. What's your opinion on that? This is really right, kind of confusing for me. Right. Yeah. Opinion
1: that's so interesting i mean it, it it kind of facilitates this environment where everything needs to bypass through this filter yeah and this filter is really very narrow so if if it is out out the side of the, whatever the who is saying at the current time yeah you you could be scrutinized and you said that it just banned like, did your, did your account just get straight
0: off the Well, she said that to remove all content that contradicts what the WHO and I and I guess from you know to you know do the devil's advocate, the argument here is that there is so much misinformation that we need to be so stringently relying on the authoritative sources. But I that I don't think that's going to hold up to anyone who has seen how much misinformation has come out from the WHO, and obviously yeah. because of its attachment to other nations that have more influence over what it says and what it does so i have no problem with youtube saying look we want to try and stop misinformation we want to try and stop people telling people to inject themselves with bleach and and all sorts (laughs) of you know quack remedies i think i saw in vietnam this is horrible this story but they were grounding up black cats into paste and using that as a cure because they have this you know black cats Have this mysticism about them so they thought if we just you know eat them they'll cure so you have all this crazy shit, and i understand youtube and even twitter and all these other places they want to stop the spread of that but if you're saying that to stop the spread of that you're going to essentially rely on this institution that's been publicly completely wrong about many things on this particular issue of this pandemic I, I just think you're you're marginalising so many young people who see through that completely. Maybe you can convince the older audiences that... Because this was announced on CNN, so, she, so you are talking to, like, boomers and people over 40 because young people don't get their news from, like, CNN, ABC. Like, what, what world do you think... And, and what you're telling young people, essentially, is that your sources of information, even if they could be correct and actually have more value than what these... Uh, you know, grandfather. Institutions are saying, doesn't matter. We're just going to remove your content. Doesn't matter if it's right. Doesn't matter if you if you're vindicated, right? The people that were saying wear masks, they were vindicated, but it doesn't matter, right? Because WHO mm-hmm. just eventually came around to saying, Oh, maybe they work. Maybe you should wear them. Um, so I just think this is a big turning point for uh, YouTube in general. Like it's 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 like almost yeah. explicit now that we're just going to remove content regardless of truth, just because we are so net we've almost like become legacy media ourselves like we're not we're not embracing the radical internet era that we could have been and it's like almost and google to an extent as well that the whole point of these companies was what they were supposed to revolutionize a lot of the media diet that we were all being subjected to but it seems like they've actually gone the other way and they've been like well no we're just going to stay in bed with these legacy institutions that have no problem obfuscating or even lying right um, so yeah, it's, it's a bit disturbing, I think this recent development. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Like it really suppresses new ideas. Um, that could be in in fact, right, like you said, and that's just sad, man, because honestly, I thought YouTube was one of the places on the internet that was free from from all this, yeah. you know, well, a lot of people like weird, you yeah. said, it started off that way. Um, and it slowly became more and more controlled and regulated. Um, even YouTube to an extent, but I always thought that you could upload whatever you like, really. yeah
0: short of you know violence or like you well, know, yeah sexual yeah. Yeah, but, material. You know,
1: yeah. look at um, Tumblr; they completely remove any yeah. pornographic material. Um, not saying that it's a it, it 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 has its place on YouTube or anything, but um, they have RedTube. Yeah.
0: That's why they have RedTube, I suppose. You know,
1: that's why there's RedTube. Uh, is it under the same banner? Uh, do they Google own RedTube?
0: Potentially. I, I'm not sure I'll have to ask Susan Adults about that are in the
1: YouTube come on down <laughs> um, but yeah I mean that I, what does that mean for vimeo then? does is Vimeo going to maybe kick off and uh replace uh the spot that YouTube once had
0: right yeah this has been a, a big discussion I think in the last few years because a lot of people have becoming increasingly more upset with YouTube's decision to censor material um, and also demonetize there's a sort of there's a way of soft censoring material where you don't delete the video, but you prevent the creator from making any money off the video. So, for instance, there's this, there's this couple uh, who do these live streams almost every couple of days on their perspective. And they're not doctors, but they have degrees in evolutionary biology. They are giving they give their perspective from the perspective of evolution and stuff like that. And uh, this is Brett and Heather Weinstein. And uh, they actually came out and said that they've some of their videos have been demonetized because they they are they are talking about their perspective on it they're not just speculating they're coming with journals and all their all the stuff that they've read and they're giving their evidence but that's because they're well they're, educated i mean yeah, as far well insofar as someone could be educated i think yeah, yeah. More, way more smarter than me and they're not speculating they're not just but they're, but they're trying to give another perspective backed up by real evidence and journals and all this stuff that you would require for like you know a skeptic mm-hmm. And even then, that's enough to get the soft censorship of demonetization. And potentially, if they said something that was deemed too radical, I suppose, um, like wear masks in February, um, <laughs> then that would have been also uh, demonetized, potentially. And so it's I just find that insane that the WHO yeah.
1: was saying don't wear masks.
0: For a it's long time. Nothing to worry yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, they've changed their tune now. But, I mean, mm. do you expect us to just forget the month and a half where they were publicly saying that and also before then when they were saying that the virus was not transferable person to person was not going like there's just 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 complete you know almost i mean how do you there's no other word for it but propaganda really like it, it is propaganda yeah yeah
1: uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't even like go as far to blame them for misrepresenting the reality of the situation when it was in january february early in the year because it's such a new virus that we're dealing with um, and no one really knows the cure, the antidote. I mean, that's the the million dollar question. Um, no one knows.
0: That's right. No one knows. And that's and, the thing. No yeah. one
1: knows, right? So if the WHO was wrong in the past, what? Who's to say they're not wrong now? And 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 that's the thing. Like, it's not we're blaming the WHO for being wrong in the past, the present, whenever. Right. It's more the fact that. We're now limited to their beliefs, to what they're saying now. That is what we're limited to, and that's just wrong.
0: Right, and I I think you're right because we're not. Yeah, there's no nothing intrinsically wrong with the WHO or even all these you know supranational uh, structures, the UN, whatever. But they just mm. have practical problems with nations trying to influence them in ways that you know aren't are a bit unscrupulous and there is just i i don't know i'm curious what you think about this too because you get people saying things like i mean joe rogan's even said it a few times he's saying like you know you can't really blame trump for this or you can't really blame like no one saw this coming and on one level that's that's partially true on another level i think that flies in the face of accountability like i i'm i'm a little worried that People are so quick to forget sometimes that they just forget about accountability. Like, how is the WHO going to be held accountable for that much misinformation? Or how is um, yeah. if you want to criticise Trump's handling of it, what you would criticise is the fact that maybe he did close the borders to from China much quicker than most other nations did, but like Australia, they weren't they weren't saying they weren't being honest at the beginning, they at, at straight away, and saying, look, this is going to lead to this, we need to shut down, we need to do this. You've got a lot of mixed messages, a lot of kind of half measures, and that showed to me anyway that like even the leaders that we pay and employ to handle these issues are not really thinking about tomorrow. They're just reacting to the... Because I saw the information from people on Twitter it seems like as the leaders were getting the information it's not as if they have any uh, omniscient foreknowledge of what's going to happen they just mm. they just get what's go- coming their way from whatever information streams they have and they, they they react to it and this was one curious case where if you were following the right people you knew this was coming as early as december or january right this was not yeah. this was completely obvious that this was potentially going to happen and we didn't even begin to move as a global community until what end of feb maybe yeah
1: well mid march really yeah that's when all the restrictions came into place uh, in australia and the us right and so China. so so
0: i'm fine with people saying now yeah. that we've gotten to here look we need to all work together let's not just be needlessly yeah. critical of our leaders when we need to respect their authority and let them do what they're going to do fine but what about accountability like what does the the, the, the two months that we could have moved and done stuff did that did that mm-hmm. matter at all or because w- like coronavirus actually the meme started in like november right because obviously <laughs> china was dealing with it then but i remember mm. i remember we were talking around that time of you coming out uh to my place and we said, oh this corona thing what's up with that and it was just a meme but the truth yeah. is we we actually there was knowledge at the time that this was potentially what it is now and mm. though no one saw this specifically coming the idea that leaders can't be held accountable for essentially not preparing, like Trump did, actually have an Obama uh, policy. The Obama team prepared for this for a specific pandemic, where they had. Like, uh, I'm not sure of the specifics, but they had stations set up across the nation to deal with this potential. And one of Trump's first things in office in the first couple of years was to get rid of all of that. He considered it a waste of money, didn't think it was necessary. And I think they even debriefed Trump's team on how to handle this if it happened as they were transitioning out of office. And of course, like none of those lessons were learned at all. And this was, I mean, it's typ- it's typical of an administration that is narcissistic to its core, of course. So they're not really reflecting <laughs> on you know what's going to happen. How do we you know relieve the most suffering in our communities? It's it's a very yeah. and, and it just shows you how reactive it is. It's like you guys aren't even yeah. you're not you're not planning for like a month ahead. You just you're just totally the you're, you're being flown around by the whim of bureaucracy and administration. And it's like you don't have the individuals who are brave enough to speak out because they were speaking out you just didn't listen and
1: i'll mm. say this
0: as well youtube twitter these were the only places to actually learn what was going on because you had places like the new york times and the washington post saying nah it's not even a flu it's like you just you just you just feel a little bit you know it's not even a flu mate yeah like, and it's yeah. like are these people going to be held accountable uh, is there any accountability do and does anyone
1: do are their heads on pikes anywhere <laughs> right
0: <laughs> there aren't and I don't know if I, there will I
1: remember, be. I remember seeing something where it, it's less contagious than the common cold. Exactly. Yeah. All that for and like that's clearly m- a for lie. like
0: two months we got we got bulldozed with these headlines that if you're as you said if you're wearing a mask you're an alarmist if you're even remotely following people who are claiming that this will become a pandemic in January and you're willing to repeat that and think that that's credible evidence you're now a, consp- you're, you know, you're a grifter or you're a conspiracy theorist. These, these labels get thrown at you and it's like, well, you guys are just wrong about like so much shit. And yeah. I just think that the whole idea that like the New York Times and ABC News, that these, these companies have a, a privilege on truth, that's just like misguided. And, and in fact, you've actually shown a lot of people of our generation in their 20s and, and uh, who are younger, that they can't trust you. They can't rely on you for actually reporting the news because you you obfuscated for two months you didn't actually look into the story and and look to the dissidents and the independent voices you just ran with your gated narrative about how it was just yeah common cold so it just seems it just seems like we're in a complete mess with respect to our sense making uh and we and we just can't trust a lot of these institutions at least we have to take everything they say with a huge grain of salt right and yeah that's, that's a that's, that's, that's a crazy making situation to be in for lots of people right
1: mm-hmm. mm. yeah look there, that's a lot there i mean sorry it seems at this point like with all this new information about how much more serious it is uh to be oblivious or you know blasé about it it seems like that's just not uh appropriate anymore um you know especially yeah the long lasting effects i've heard um that in children um you know uh, who shouldn't be feeling blasé about it because of these everlasting effects but in children who are asymptomatic uh they have been shown to have purple blotches or spots in their feet or hands wow and I don't and, and because of this the nature of this virus, like it doesn't affect everyone the same way. It's um, affecting everyone differently. Um, uh, this, this might not be hundred percent consistent across all across the board for younger people who have been found positive. Yeah, but when uh, was the last
0: time you got a purple toe from the flu? like Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right, right. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. There's also speculation uh, and again, don't cancel us, please. We're just speculating here. Exactly, but it can shorten your life, even after you have um, re- recovered from it.
0: Right, and and we're not saying as well Possibly. that we expect. Well, I'm not certainly not saying because I'm making the critique. I suppose that these news organizations and institutions need to be hundred percent right all the time. I'm saying that they should be honest. Like what would have made sense to me, anyway, would have been to say, look. We don't know what this is, right? Exactly what you just said. Where there are there are anomalous things happening. There are you know outliers. There are people that are getting wiped out. There are people that are just going on with their lives with no problem, asymptomatic. Great. But don't deliberately obfuscate because that is crazy making. Like like you're yeah. telling people who see through something that they're delusional. That they're that they're just you know conspiracy. It's like I can I, this experience has given me so much more sympathy. For the tinfoil hat people of the world. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I'm not even joking. Like, So much more sympathy for how much violence these institutions are willing to inflict on the people willing to speak out. Even if they're wrong. I have so much more respect for the independent voices that say, this is what I think. Here's my evidence. Look at it yourself. I don't care what the narrative is like this is what I think is happening yeah and they will just they will just try to demolish this person and all they're saying is this is what I think and it's like wow it's like you're willing to go to this extent to control your narrative because this is another thing that I think journalists they kind of I'm, obviously I don't work in journalism I briefly uh was learning uh the principles of journalism but what I found the reason why I got out of that career path was because a lot of these people don't think of themselves really as journalists in terms of the definition of the world. They think them of themselves as gatekeepers. They think that they get the information and they have some role to determine what the public can can know without panicking. Right? They have this idea that they're yeah. kind of sheep, and if they if they alarm us, if they panic us, oh, we're yeah. just going to all just you know run into the streets naked, Armageddon style. And I just think that is. Crazy-making to the people that just want the truth. Just tell us the truth and treat us like adults who can handle the truth. Like, and and if you don't, that's what's going to cause the Armageddon in far as far. If you keep going down this route of Orwellian doublespeak, that's what's going to cause us to ultimately, you know, just say, "Well, fuck you." Like, we're not going to listen to you ever about anything. <laughs> like, because you're just wrong about most things. Um, and let me say this as well because I wanted to say this at the start. I didn't really get it in there to measure my uh, critique here how about it but uh, i want to repeat something that i've heard uh douglas murray say a few times in a couple interviews the british author he said what i think is the most important point for individuals to be aware of what you should be looking for in terms of like who can you trust right because that's what we're all thinking who can we actually trust in this information warfare can
1: it be the who
0: can it yeah or well, can it be the New York Times <laughs> yeah. exactly can it be um, even your leaders even it, when the Prime Minister speaks on TV can I trust what he says or is he playing this own game of trying to you know manage panic and keep you know like that's what it, that's yeah. so and what do we who do we trust and I think Douglas Murray put it very well when he said watch for the people that are just using this crisis to further what they were already talking about before like if if you're seeing someone that hasn't even changed their mind about immigration they're pushing the same thing they they were saying before that mm. is something to be very skeptical of because they're wow. using a crisis to just push their own agenda that's the, these are not the independent minds we should be focusing on the independent minds who are who are uh, sensibly taking in the facts as they see them changing their opinion as they go to try and help the most amount of people those are the people you need to look for not to the people who are just saying the same thing because the crisis has happened i think you could you could view the trump move of pulling funding from the who as exactly that he already hated these supernational structures he thought america should pull out of them, f- like, that was his election running point. America first, get out of these structures, they suck. And that that's why you can you should really criticise a move like that, even though we know the WHO is wrong, because he's doing that from his own agenda. He's not doing that because of the WHO being wrong. That was just their very nice justification to do what he already wanted to do. And so I think that's what we should really be focused on, is, like, right. who are the oh, people that are just using the crisis as an excuse to do what they were already... To, to satisfy their political idealism that they already had.
1: So you're saying uh, since Trump has stuck to his guns, we should respect that. Um, and no, that no, I'm his... not saying,
0: no, no, not respect that. I'm saying that's what we should be crit- critiquing is that... Critiquing, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, right. So Because you need to adapt to any emergency situation like this.
0: Yeah, and it's not honest.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, wow,
0: I never thought of it like that. Well, you still have people that, you know, uh, are, are running stories like women are the real sufferers of the coronavirus. How, how, like, and, and this is, you know, going to the mm. the narrative that they were playing before where, like, it's men versus women. It's all the races versus all the other races. It's like, that's yeah. not the time for this. Stop. like, right. we're, we're, They're <laughs> it,
1: using the coronavirus as fuel for their own agenda. Yeah, Holy well, th- and shit, that was Douglas exploiting the situation.
0: That's Douglas's point, and I think it's a good point to for all individuals to to rely on because that's the only way to know who can I trust. It's the people that are tr- just sincerely trying to do the best they can to sort out the information to deliver an opinion that's going to help people and be worthwhile. Not the people that are just you know talking heads on CNN or just you know the same thing they were doing before. They're just they're just using this, yeah a fear yeah. that's lingering in everyone's houses and everyone's, you know, streets to count. It's like you said
1: before though, like with the accountability, like, you know, you gotta um you know understand where they came from. Sure you made a mistake, but be transparent about it, right? Like be transparent yourself, about it. Yeah. Put yourself on the pedestal and, and, and take a few rotten tomatoes to the face yeah. and then yeah. move on and say, look, this is how we're gonna approach this situation <laughs> now. It's fully unprecedented. Um, you know, and, and even after this, even after we get over this hump of uh, and and close the deal on the coronavirus, get the cases down to the net debt of zero, uh, we need like what we would like to see. What we need uh, from our leaders is some sort of a pandemic plan. I mean, that's going to be the the drum everyone's going to be banging. Where this is what we need in terms of just feeling safe and yeah. secure. For the future, because we have no idea what, what is going to unfold, especially in this new decade, as we've been welcomed with this yeah. lovely pandemic that we find ourselves in. So in the
0: post-pandemic era.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's <laughs> Post-pandemic right. era, the PPE. Yeah, the PPE, exactly. I like yeah, it. Like... So one PPE. We. <laughs> that seems like a good time. Yeah. That, that's where the baby boomers have their second wave.
0: I think you're so right about that point. Like, it's so weird to me that the, like, like there's so many scandals you can point to in politics and in history that people took their lumps and, like, there were resignations. And, like, but it just seems like today you can get away with, well, Trump can certainly get away with anything, but. Yeah. Yeah, if he was going to be
1: impeached, he would be by now. Right? Right. Right
0: yeah it's 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 as if like there is no consequence to being violently wrong about so many things, N- not for the not for the people in government, but also not for journalism and not for the people that claim to be reporting the news and and the, we just we don't mm. seem to have a as the public, we don't seem to have any way to combat misinformation that come from so-called authoritative sources. It's like we, we we're, we're just completely what's the word when you're just like you don't Passive. Any, yeah passive or just uh yeah. castrated in a kind of way like we we're don't push Pushovers. push overs yeah, yeah. We, we can't even 100%. though we know so much of what we're getting and even our leadership so much of what we're getting is inept and yeah driven by just bureaucratic games not just competence and not just i can handle right. this crisis put me in get me at the wheel right um, there's just yeah. not that person because we've pushed all those people out because they've been too loud or they've just they've contradicted the narrative too much. So it's like, oh no, yeah, go to Twitter, right. yell about it on Twitter, where like you just have a few followers that like actually, you know, are, are getting the real facts. Like, so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's I, Eric, that that was Eric Weinstein's point. Just sorry to cut you off, but that was Eric yeah. Weinstein's point too. Is that that's what this shows? Is that even your you pushed out so many of the competent people that you were like the institutions took two months to get to catch up to the people who already got there. Like That's how slow and that's how inept you are for pushing out all of the competent, knowledgeable people at this point. But what are you going to say, sorry?
1: That's scary, man. And, and yeah, okay, so that's it. Like, you know, uh, we get our information from the leaders on TV. We're, we're watching ScoMo and, and Trump tell us what to do uh and even the who so if if that's what we're doing we're holding the who in the high regard and we know that they've been wrong in the past if we wanted to voice our concerns we can't go to youtube anymore yeah precisely you know, we can't, yeah, yeah. is and and what and what's that about twitter are we able to go there that, that i think twitter actually has
0: said something similar where uh, Twitter has said that, you know, they, they would remove posts as well. And I think Eric's response to that, Eric Weinstein, his response to that was to tweet, um, WHO is wrong, wear masks. <laughs> uh and it, and something like, you know, Twitter banned me or something. Like, here you go. I just contradicted yeah. everything. Are you going to ban me? Like, he just laid it out. And oh, I think, man. like, in someone like him, so, I, have, I have so much more reverence and respect for him than I do any of these journalists who are just willing to lie. And just. And it's like, what, it's like, what privilege do, you, do these people think they have? It makes me so... like. There's almost a, a little bit of latent resentment here, but I try not to be emotional about it. But it's like, what privilege do you fucking people think you have that you can... You have some... Yeah. Like... like like right to the truth and then you get to tell us your bedtime story version of it to us it's like <laughs> what do you think you're doing like yeah th- this is not what journalism it's not what the journalism i was taught anyway no you're not
1: babysitters a- of us One, I think with all this oil crisis as well like you know it's not the oh, fact yeah. that we don't have enough we have too much oh my god and now uh, you know i'm hearing that australia will get down to about 60 cents a litre i'm hearing that um mm. uh from colin moriarty that In the U.S., they might eventually have to pay people to take oil off them. So (laughs) at least we'll be able to get a bit of a return on our cars. That'd be (laughs) nice. (laughs) This depreciative entity that...
0: Well, there's one upside. There you go.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's many upsides. There's many upsides. Don't worry. There you go. I feel like uh, more people are getting out in nature now. Yeah. Sorry to get off on on more of a tangent, but yeah, like... I get out there in, into the parks, and there are way more people riding bikes than I've ever seen before. I have to pinch myself to make make sure I'm not in the Netherlands or Norway. This is how I picture Europe. They have garages in, uh, like car parks in Europe, where it's just bikes. Yeah, that's it. Bicycles. It's awesome. That is so good.
0: It's good. Get get riding, people.
1: It's great. Ride people there. are returning back to nature. Yeah. And we're, be- we're slowly, well, before this, we were slowly uh, becoming separate. And that was sad, man. Like, people are consumed in their phones. I mean, I- I'm not saying that this pandemic has really done the best for all of us, but for those willing to change up, change our perspective on how to deal with this, uh, I'm sure people are co- uh, those people are coming to more uh, analysed, outcomes and and conclusions
0: there yeah that's a great point i think like because you're right this is this is what like a a global and societal wide reminder of death almost like we're all going through it and it's like if that doesn't get you off your phone to just be in the park and just be with your kid or be with your friend or whatever you know it's like we're all it's one of the
1: only rights you can exercise now as well right
0: exercise double entendre there you go there you go um But there you go. So that's actually probably a good point to leave it there. Uh, And stay tuned after the break. We'll talk about Midnight Gospel.
1: as well. And what it's trying to do is to see how jazzed up it can get.
0: We're back. Welcome back. We're talking about the Midnight Gospel in this part of the show. Now, it is a new show by Duncan Trussell. Very funny comedian. He's got his own podcast as well, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Um, we're both fans of his comedy, and so we thought, let's just check out the show and do a little review, give a little chat about it. So just to set it up, mm. and then I'll you know get your thoughts. Uh, it's made by Duncan Trussell, and it's taken parts of his podcast, and it's animated by the creator of Adventure Time, Pendleton Ward as well, and you could definitely... I, I think you've seen Adventure Time, so you'll be able to talk a little bit about how, like, the animation... I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. So, but to me, just the animation is just incredible. I don't know how much it is similar to Adventure Time, but if you're into that sort of psychedelic, like, crazy, just complete madness in terms of just animation and colors and sat and vibrant saturated colors mm. and, and all these weird patterns you, you, you definitely can love this purely based on the animation I'd say um, and just by way of setting up the show it's about a character called Clancy and Clancy has this universe simulator that he goes into and now typically other characters in the universe, They use their simulators to get, like, some artifact from another world that they can sell to make money on. But Clancy's multiverse simulator is malfunctioning. It only creates universes that are about to basically blow up in some Armageddon-like fashion. And all he can do is go into the simulation and record a space cast or a podcast with someone that he finds. And that's all all he really has time to do. And so he goes into these worlds, has a podcast or a space cast with one of the characters. And that is a way of transitioning the show into the Duncan Trussell family hour where he had the podcast conversation originally. And they have some degree of conversation about the world about death or about life in this new multiverse and as it's happening the world is crumbling around them because the world is falling apart and so a lot of the humour at least for me plays off the fact that the characters are having this very nuanced and deep conversation as the world is crumbling around them and they're completely unfazed the whole time (laughs) <laughs> they're
1: completely absorbed in the conversation right yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that is- so
0: that's what the show that's is funny. basically it, by the end of the show it does have a story but I, I would say if you're not into podcasts and you, you don't you like to be really you like to know what the characters are and like what they're doing this can be kind of disorienting but I like I like being disoriented when I watch stuff personally I like just not like kind of being thrust in and being like what's going on um, and so I love that aspect of it as well but so, so what did you think like about the Midnight Gospel uh, it came out yeah. at 420 by the way I should say as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Released very timely on 420. Uh, which Duncan is a very big fan of. I think it's his birthday too. If it, I'm is. Not mistaken. it is. It is. They yeah. mentioned
0: that in the last episode.
1: All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um yeah, jumping into it it's it reminds me very much of Adventure Time. I think it has mm. it has a lot of inspiration from even Rick and Morty. Mm. You know, uh, even just the the premise of the show being jumping from universe to universe. Um, that is just... I can I can pinpoint one Rick and Morty, uh, episode in mind that basically does the same thing. The car uh, battery? But, uh, yeah. Or oh, isn't it the the one where he puts on the glasses? like, jumping from a different timeline. Oh, okay. Oh, that, that's a thinking, different one. But... Yeah,
0: I was thinking of the, the Miniverse, how he had, like, a Miniverse in his car that powered the... Oh, not the car, uh, sorry, the spaceship that... And that's how he gets his battery powered. He has a universe basically just powering his spaceship, and that's all that's they, right.
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That one, and even like the interdimensional yes. uh, tally or whatever. So yeah, you know. definitely. Um, but yeah, like uh, so it's it does have a story. It does have a really good like. It can be a bit jarring going from episode to episode, um, where he jumps into different universes and obviously there's different characters. But I think the familiarity comes from the voice acting. And realising, oh, this is Duncan, okay, he's, like, the dopey guy in this episode, and, like, talking to this guy. That, um, yeah, and, and, you know, it's not just a podcast in a show, like, it, it very much is in some parts, but it does exercise the ebb and flow of um, using what is visually represented as a way to uh, progress the story and progress what's happening. Yes. Um, first time I watched it, I, I thought it was just a podcast in a show, but you know, upon watching it more and more, uh, each episode is getting more interesting. And I think yes, it, it, yeah. it, it's somewhat gradually even getting better. Um, yeah, it's such a good, it's such a good start to something new. And I think like given Rick and Morty's success, I could see this definitely taking yeah. off. It's still very fresh still within the first week of release. Um, but I could definitely, yeah, if, if Rick and Morty takes off like it had, uh, I don't, there's no reason why this shouldn't.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point, because there is this, uh, I guess I would say mostly among young people, but maybe some yeah. older folks too, that there's just this greater appreciation for like uh, the humour of multiverse and, and just getting so whimsical. Like It seems as if cartoons have almost become, for adults anyway have become this like complete dream like version of a show and you can really take it to these crazy levels and you can still like there used to be an idea in TV that viewers were just this these passive like drones like and you couldn't you couldn't have a story too deep or you couldn't have shots that were too disorienting they're just going to turn it off because you know and just... not too many toilets
1: either if you've not... seen psycho <laughs> <know>. oh, mate <laughs> yeah. the toilets and that no yeah will no, blow no, your toilet. head off yeah, exactly
0: yeah, no, no lavatories.
1: No one's seen a toilet before? That's so unnatural.
0: Right, but but I think we've yeah. discovered like with with I think Game of Thrones definitely proved it. Like viewers can follow all these very intricate yeah. episodes, season-long plot points, and they love it. And Rick and yeah. Morty absolutely showed that. Even You can have comedy in these very convoluted, thick... Like, I remember the episode with Key and Peel? I think. It was like the Time Wizards, how they, they, they fucked with time, and then the, the Time Cops had to... And it was Key and Peel. I think, like the Time Cops. <laughs> that's they, right, and it's yeah. just like this mind fuckery. But it, the humour really plays off it. And it, and i got to say, with this show, with the Midnight Gospel, there's nothing like it. Like, it's so unique. And I think that's yeah. the best part about it, is that I want to almost true. say that this couldn't have been made by someone who isn't a massively successful podcaster because what this show has in my view and i think the last episode really hits the hits this on the head harder than any of them is that there is a richness and an intimacy that you get from listening to a three-hour podcast with just two people chatting and yeah. it's very hard to capture that in any other medium, but this show does that in at least in some ways, and to varying degrees of success. But I would say in most episodes, massively successful. But t- I would say, yeah, particularly the last one and episode three with the uh, the fish world with the cats and all that. I forgot the mm. the name of the character there, but the guy who was on death row um, by mistake and then became a Buddhist and a magician as a result of that. Yeah. Such and a calm to... sounding gentleman, too. Yes, very, very calm, very very yeah, relaxed, very, and... very reserved. Right, it has
1: no resentment towards the world as well. It feels like um, from just from that episode. I haven't even uh, listened to the to the original episode on uh, the DTFH. It but makes me want to go back to it and like listen to it. I, I, I thought you were about to say it makes you want to go to prison, but you know, <laughs> from what he, from the way you from the way he said it, he speaks and then the way he carries himself, um, it does seem like he wouldn't change anything for the world like right. that had to happen for him to be the person he he is and to be as um tolerant and and compassionate.
0: Yeah, it's weird like that that was the whole f- kind of crucial point of that episode is that the poignant point I should say of that episode is that the guy was grateful in the end of being mistakenly put in prison on death row because that was the experience which enabled him to transcend on the level he was able to transcend his you know egoic self and it gave mm. him a purpose in life that he never had before and it's it's one. Yeah. and this is actually look the last episode i'm, I'm not ashamed to admit i've balled my eyes out it was oh. incredible and like one of the points made in that episode is that that's what trauma is for like you don't transform yeah. until you have those experiences right. and like the last episode pulls that point and just, like, takes your heart yeah. and, and throws it at a wall. But it's oh, it's really man. on point in that respect. Like if goosebumps. You, it, yeah, well, if you have any... I think if you have any... If you're anyone who has a close relationship with their mother, but even in your parents, I think, in general, you're going to feel it, that episode. You'll feel mm. that. Or even, you know, one. a
1: parental figure. Exactly, player, yeah. If that's the case. Because yeah. it,
0: it, the last episode really does make that point, but it's also a, a nice kind of passing of wisdom... As well, and um, yeah, and it's interesting the way the show ends. There's certainly potential for another series, and yeah, I will say as well the the little Ramdas uh, cameo at the end was very, very nice, very cute. I know Ramdus was a teacher of Duncan before he died. Very close, yeah. 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 So that was yeah. cool too. And 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 Duncan is, if you listen to his podcast, if you know what he's about, this show is him in the sense that all of his mm. philosophy. All of the ideas he espouses so It leaks off this show And it's like there is genuine wisdom And and actual States of consciousness you can channel Simply by watching the show Because combined right. with the visual material It really does produce some interesting thoughts And some interesting states Even if you've thought about multiverse and stuff like that You've already kind of been down that rabbit hole This show could Potentially provoke these thoughts in in interesting new ways. I would say that the episode in the prison, I think it's episode five, where uh, uh, not to spoil it, but the character eff- effectively keeps dying and he has to keep he has to learn why he keeps dying and like what the point is and like there's a message in that that like yeah. obviously you think about, but when it's visually articulated, accompanied with the kind of nonsensical conversation that you're following, that isn't really being impacted by what's going on. So it's like this weird comedy that's happening from the characters being disconnected from all the violence and the trauma that's happening around them. They're just sort of... They're so channeled into this, like, dialogue that they just keep talking. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's just very well executed. And I'm so... <laughs> oh, it's great that Netflix is willing to do something like this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. I think, it, I think it's a perfect fit with the um, animator of Adventure Time yeah um such a perfect fit with um doug trussell and his philosophies and also the lessons that he learns from his podcast it yeah it does feel like the greatest hits of it and look given the uh sheer amount of episodes that he yeah, that he has and the amount of lessons that he has kind of gathered from and gained from all of these episodes you know he's almost up to 400 episodes and um and that's, look, that's plenty yeah. of content to create probably a second or a third season. And look, this kind of opens the door to other podcasts becoming shows as well, right? Like, if you could put that up against Joe Rogan, yeah. who is somewhere in the realm of 15 <laughs> Yeah, Jesus
0: Christ. Uh, so yeah, stupid. I mean, look. What the, hell?
1: The, the possibilities are endless there. And it, yeah. It does really feel like a, a door has been down here. Yeah. Some, some ball, because you've now... Cross-pollinated two mediums. Yep. that were previously separated.
0: Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Yeah, this is almost like that's why that's why I think it's so new. It's like it's completely ungenreifiable. Right. Like it's not right.
1: And and we, we say, oh look, it's it reminds us of Adventure Time and it, it reminds us of Rick and Morty, but really we're just trying to grab on to anything <laughs> yeah. that somewhat yeah. resembles the, uh this show. And yeah, it, it, it isn't um you know it, it can't be confused with those shows right and uh, i think well, also
0: to, to piggyback on what you're saying this is definitely isn't for anyone anyone like i th- I think if i showed this to my mom or like a, or yeah. a couple of friends that like aren't of this disposition or just don't like how shows can be confusing and disorienting like maybe they want that they want all their shows to be just like let me turn off my brain and just like watch the soap opera um which is fine yeah right? but I definitely... opera,
1: murder mystery. Yeah, like that's that. fine. Like, but oh, but for,
0: for me, the, the joy and the pleasure is always in defying the tropes and sort of defying the genres and just yeah. making something cool. And so I Something think...
1: that's self-aware. Something that's right? self-aware, yeah, like definitely. Oh, yeah. Know, it doesn't a... try to be something it's not, it doesn't try to be too serious, but yet yeah, it is tackling these serious issues, these serious topics of life, death, and everything in between. I mean, do we know anything else, ultimately?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's a few questions you'll be asking yourself probably. And um, yeah, it's very the art style is crazy. So let me ask you this though: bit like, how does it compare in terms of Adventure Time? I always have heard from people that I've always thought of it as a kind of not kids' cartoon, but certainly. Uh, a young adults maybe cartoon, or like an adolescence cartoon, but I've always been told from the fans of the show that the animation, if you're just, you know, a little bit drunk or just something like you, there's enough to appreciate in the <laughs> wackiness, and I've watched a couple of episodes and will agree that that certainly is the case, that the animation in that show is, is as psychedelic or perhaps more than um, Duncan. Yeah. Like, what do you think, seeing both shows now?
1: Well, I haven't... Just full disclosure, I haven't seen every single episode of Adventure Time, but I have, you know, plunged in a little bit. Um, there, there's somewhere like eight seasons or something, seven, seven or eight. So I, I've I've maybe watched That's one or two. Uh, I, I think the lessons in Adventure Time, you know, the more uh, spiritual lessons that can be taken away from Adventure Time, you have to look a little bit deeper, a little bit through the between the lines. Uh, it's not always so apparent as in, uh, uh, what are we talking about? Midnight Gospel. Um, <laughs> so, you know, with that, with watching Adventure Time, you there are probably a large proportion of the audience that uh, is really just watching it for the visual aspect, for the story, and not really looking too deep into the philosophy of it. Right. right? Um, but, uh, yeah, you, I think, you know, with your open mind, with your very... Inquisitive mind, I think you you would um, get a lot from it, yeah. especially after watching this. You know, yeah, you've right. got all this just sitting there, uh, waiting for you to to peek upon it. Right.
0: Yeah. And and so just getting back to like, I think even Duncan said that like Pendleton is a kind of genius. Like this show would not exist without him, and a lot of the visual metaphors, I'm sure, and like how all the animation sort of symbolizes what the discussion is about. Like, that comes from him, right? And that certainly, yeah. yeah, would be an adventure time too. And I think also as well, it's, it's funny because you don't really think at first that there are characters in the show. But as it goes on, it does. there are some characters that go across episodes and you do get the sense that there could be a broader story. So there is some potential for that. I thought at first that it was just going to be complete craziness every episode but there yeah. are there are episodes that do have some crossovers and even one episode that i think takes place almost entirely just in the just in the world that clancy's in not in any simulation oh, yeah. so he's not he's not uh
1: has, has have, he doesn't have his head deep into that uh that conspicuous vagina.
0: conspicuous looking <laughs> yeah machine <laughs> there's so many things like that in this show as well i mean look I if love i am
1: alone wonder I... As a Clancy walking around. Like, oh, it's so good. I see that sort of thing. i poke yeah. poked something
0: through there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> That's it. you got to... I mean, there's something almost very romantic about having the gateway to another world be, uh, you know, the Whoa. gateway to this world, right? Yeah!
1: Whoa! There you go! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot to like about this show, I think. Um, I think, yeah, honestly, in terms of, like, maybe... In terms of the critiques, like, as I said, if you're not someone who if you're someone that needs a very grounded and easy to follow story, you might get a bit lost in this one, I think. And also if you're not a huge podcast fan, because I'm just, I like, that's pretty much most of the entertainment, I, I guess
1: entertainment slash- Not even huge. Yeah. You don't even need to be a huge podcast fan. You just need to have right. some sort of curiosity about it. Maybe you've never taken the plunge and you're into TV shows and you're yeah. into Adventure Time and you check this out and then that would lead you onto the DTFH. and. Uh, the podcast i mean if you're listening to this you're probably going to be interested in this show (laughs) you must be right probably going to be interested in both shows of duncan trussell you should definitely check him out yeah Uh, very inspiring character
0: definitely yeah yeah as as you said it's just like this is so this is like you can't even uh compare it to much right there's there's only very few comparisons
1: yeah, right. So like, let me yeah, ask I you guess, this
0: though: What would be a podcast you'd, you would want to see in this sort of style? If, oh, if there was yeah, another I mean, show that did this,
1: Joe Rogan's a big yeah, one. Yeah, probably Joe Rogan. Yeah, I, I mean that's the one that really sticks out to me. Just so much material, of the, the variety of guests on there, and and just the yeah the diversity in the, the like the knowledge that they would share is would be insane. Um, on top of that. I'm not too sure. I suppose an Eric Weinstein would be very yeah. interesting. Yeah, it would pique my interest. Yeah. Um, no, actually, so I, I. It's funny. This this, a this po- a lot the happening. portal. I mean, he could yeah. he could visually represent that.
0: There's actually a lot happening with that as well. Like people are making songs of like the conversations. Like there's someone that published a portal album, and it had like all the conversations mixed into tracks. Like there's a lot happening oh. in podcasts that uh It's very interesting in terms of like the art. Media. It's. I have to say, I think podcasting and internet content creation generally has to be the most open canvas yeah. in terms of like new art forms that are just yeah. happening all the it's time. It's very
1: embracing of everything else, right? It's it's like open canvas, right? So yeah, it, it's willing to take some splash of a mo- some movies, some TV shows, and music. And I mean, that's it. Podcasting has entered the music space. Well, um, it's like, do you? What do you think about? Uh, what
0: do you think about these like video essays that people make on YouTube? Like, is that art? Is that like what, like what is that? Like people make video these essays, yeah. crazy long, uh, like whether it's uh, videos about, I'm not talking about like the reviews, but like people that make, they have an idea and they just make an hour video about the idea where they have visual material. Like, what is that? It's not a show. It's not a, mm-hmm. like maybe it doesn't have some legacy media outlet funding it but as we talked about in the first segment does that even matter like because half the shit on youtube is better than on what's on tv so and a lot of young people know that <laughs> like that's where they get the majority of their like i'll say this as well just getting back to what we we're talking about before um mm. not to put a pin too much of a pin on it but the, when the pewdiepie thing happened where the do you remember that with the wall street journal how they ran a story about pewdiepie being a nazi because he wore um a, like a nazi outfit in a video and they took oh yeah do you remember that there was something on that yeah a lot of pewdiepie's audience who were young people were completely illuminated to how the new york times plays the game right by that story like yeah because because who are they going to trust
1: like just take a screenshot out of context
0: that's what they think journalists are and like that's so dangerous because now we don't have we don't have trusted Right. Sense making, and so that's the real danger there. And shows like the Midnight Gospel get out these meta level, meta media ideas. Put it that way, that mm, actually mm. transcend the the ping pong match that's going on in the newspapers every day. The, the show like this actually gets to what we care about: why are we living? What are we doing? Who, what should we care about? Not just yeah. you know, oh, left said this, right said this, liberal said this. it's like that that ping pong match, which so many people, I guess pretend to find entertaining uh, this show is an antidote to a lot of that nonsense where you could watch it and be like oh this can this can exist like maybe there's a lot to despair about our current media landscape but there's a lot to appreciate there's a lot of novel innovative, content that's being put out by companies like netflix and hopefully youtube for the you know foreseeable future uh if susan doesn't get her grubby hands on it but um you know Mm. uh, i just think that's that's great it's really awesome to see a show like this that just is is able to exist and able to put these memes and ideas out there you know in and i think if you made this like 30 years ago it might even be like propaganda like the state might even if you put this out in the 70s you might have knocks on the door like because that's how you couldn't even talk about psychedelics, right? You couldn't even mention the name. But yeah. like now it's gotten to a point where it's so steeped in cartoon culture and it's so it's so understood by the viewers about the context of of all the patterns and what's happening. Like there's even a very uh very this is the episode with the the death I was talking about, the prison episode. It makes this very artistic representation of the Buddhist net of jewels at the end, I think called Indra's net or whatever the particular terminologies, I don't know the specifics, but it's the idea that all conscious beings are attached by the net of sentience that we have, the nodes. We all exist oh. on that. And there's, a, there's like a two-minute long musical of showing this net and all the beings in the episode and right. all, all their faces right. keep changing to demonstrate how we're all the same, kind of... And it's just that. Uh. It's like the, the idea that you could put that out there in the 21st century, that's amazing. That's something really to appreciate, that people can put that out there without fear of persecution right just for just for being honest about human consciousness
1: yeah i mean it's really exposing us to more eastern philosophy right like uh previously we would have been separated yeah, into yeah. only consuming philosophy from western cultures king
0: james bible only <laughs> 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 yep yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was it you know bible on the bedside and that's all you get but now that's yep. that's the beautiful thing about the internet. Though we did kind of uh, were a bit more cynical in the first segment. Or I was rather. Uh, there's just some. There's a lot to appreciate about YouTube, still about Netflix, yeah. about these alternate no, channels to put out different ideas that apparently you know the the newspapers don't want to talk about because I don't know they're boring. Or
1: yeah, something. yeah. Seems, honestly yeah. YouTube, internet, all these open source uh, forms of uh, of information is uh, really the saving grace uh, for this tainted journalism culture.
0: It's almost closer to what we used to do as well, just people sharing things. It's not like some thing called the news that, like, hands us our truth. It's like, no, it's just people chatting. It's just like, this is what would have happened... In the forest, when we were just like, "Hey, there's a bear over there. Watch out for that bear!" Like <laughs> that's the newspaper, right? That's the hey. Well, look, there's some berries over there. Well, yeah,
1: it's it's the distraction paper. It's, yes. it's trying to take us away right. from yeah. focusing on everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the agenda. Oh man, I I gotta say, uh, everyone who's listening to this, your attention, what you place your attention on, is so important. It's imperative to. Where this is all going? If we keep fueling the journalism, uh, like narrative, it's only going to get stronger. So, to take your attention away from it, to not to take it with a grain of salt, and to trust other sources outside of something that doesn't have the Herald Sun stamp or anything, is very um, liberating, and it's going to make the whole information highway a little bit more transparent. Yeah. A little bit more real. A little bit more you know, not so grounded in in whatever Rupert Murdoch. And he doesn't want a lot of new things. He doesn't want change, I'm sure. He's a scared old man, just like Trump is.
0: And all these old men running, you know, what's like there is something strange about the fact that we're gonna be watching Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. In the next uh, election cycle, there's something just so odd about two completely like, what has culture just missed something about like aging with grace and like just you know, fig like imagine being Joe Biden or Donald Trump and thinking that the most important thing to me right now at this part of my life is to waste a bunch of time running the world or like like yeah. or having all this stress like you're not thinking about I should hug my kids I should. With my grandkids for the last hopefully four years, if I'm lucky, like, yeah, (laughs) it's like, have we got something so terribly wrong? And that Duncan's show does right, by the way, in communicating what this is about, like what this life is even about. Where you, Joe Biden gets to, I think he's in his late 70s and decides it's me, I have to run the world, I don't have anything better to do than run the world for you people.
1: It's very concerning, given his age, given how close he is to the taste of death. Like, you know, he's not going to be around for much longer. So, what is really in his interest to future-proof everything?
0: I just wouldn't it make more
1: sense to trust a younger individual who, who, who uh, places all his belief in being around for the next hundred years?
0: Look, I, I was Yang Gang all the way. From the beginning, so yeah. he was my guy. He was he was a, he was a thirty year Yang old. Yang. Uh, he was a vigorous, vital young Asian fellow, and he had all the ideas I loved. UBI, uh, he was gonna do a lot of good, I thought, and I was Yang Gang all the way. But even he was like he was another example that showed how uh, how biased these institutions are. They didn't put him on uh, for all these things in the debates. It was it was such a joke in in the debates. He had. Across two debates, I think he had less than a minute of speaking time. Oh! You know, also, the funny point is that, like, we used to be able to have long-form debates. Like, Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, they used to have long debates. Like, but now we can't even watch eight people on a stage for less than, for more than an hour. And apparently that's too boring. It's like...
1: Again, man, it comes back to your attention.
0: But, like, but... It's 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 like as if you know I've said before about how we used to think TV was for like just droning out passive people, but actually we found out that people are far smarter and far more keyed into the depth. It, it's as if CNN and ABC News they think they still think that, and it's like yeah. all these other places where we're going to for information, like Joe Rogan, who's doing four-hour-long uh, interviews with medical professionals and people that actually give you the real stuff, um, like people are just sick of being treated like dumb idiots that can't yeah. consume any ideas of any depth um, it's it's like as if they're playing it's like they're just talking to themselves because I don't know anyone my age in Australia or abroad that is excited about Joe Biden I don't think that's gonna work <laughs> out I'm sorry. I'm not pro Trump, but I do not see him beaten. But Bi- I do not see Biden beating him. I do not see that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna call that right now. I'm sorry. Trump's
1: I- become too familiar, too comfortable. People are residing too much comfort in Trump. It's scary.
0: It could be. It he, could. He's be. untouchable.
1: Like we were saying before, he's
0: not though. No, the the Dems just had to get their shit together. They had four years to do it, and they didn't. They didn't have the, yeah. like the way they treated Andrew Yang and the way they treated Bernie Sanders after Bernie Sanders became the potential upset they did the same like going with biden is exactly what they did in 2016 it, which is to obfuscate the process and go with clinton because that's what they did in 2016 they stopped sanders at the end and they said nope you're, you're finishing here bud let's go mm-hmm. with clinton let's go with our establishment you know we know what she thinks she's not going to say anything surprising um
1: it's a but, weird game to play they, they
0: learned nothing like, this is just my opinion but they just learned yeah. nothing in the four like, I remember when Trump got elected. It was I, like and and people, you know, have their own version of it, but I remember a palpable feeling that went all over the internet that was like, "Whoa, this is this can happen." And it felt like this could be a turning point to actually start talking about real issues, to actually start addressing what got him elected in the first place, which was that so many people in the poor working class felt neglected by the party which claimed to stand for them because they put forth mm-hmm. a candidate that was provably corrupt uh by also her husband was provably provably corrupt too but actually yeah. was I was I was a lot more tolerable of clinton it's only in the past few years where i've realized actually that was so bad that was such a misplay and unfortunately biden is the same he i don't know what you think about him but to me he has the same establishment like uh, veneer that clinton had and it's the exact same established i mean he was the vice president of obama for fuck's sake not everyone loved obama like can you get that through yeah. your head <laughs> and if you can't that's thing. you're never going to win over the people you need to win over you ne- like yang and sanders so many surveys showed they were the only two people that actually pulled people from the right Every, every other damn candidate would just pull from the centre and the far left. They were the only two that yeah. would beat Trump in pulling from the, the Republicans because they were actually talking about UBI, money for the poor, like genuine issues that a lot of people cared about who were in Trump's camp, ostensibly. And look, okay, I didn't mean to get this political at the end. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. It,
1: it pulls out this whole, all these rabbits out of the hat. because, oh, yeah, yeah. like, you know... Duncan actually has a thing on uh, socialism, right? It's like a bad word. Dude. You know, you don't want to catch socialism, do you? Da, da, da. Like, how horrible does that sound? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I understand Where's that the corona? system is not uh, functional so much, but, you know, drawing elements from it shouldn't be so scary. Being social is one of our fundamental elements of being human. So, I, I don't know, like you just got to be more open to that sort of stuff if if you want a more uh, forgiving culture, more of a um, supportive culture. Uh, yeah. But running Clinton, running Hillary, yeah, after Obama seems like a very rocky move. I mean, yeah. you, you just pull back just a little bit and think, okay, well, Obama got in; he's the first black president. Yeah. Not everyone liked him. Maybe those people who either regretted voting for Obama after doing so or were never on the Obama train, those people are probably wanting someone a little more familiar, a little more what they deem American. And, you know, like you have... I don't think it's that. Right? I think
0: you had... But, like, so, following
1: had... after Obama, yeah. you want some sort of familiarity. And going for the first female president after that puts a few spanners in the works.
0: That was the marketing play. It was like first female president and that, that all that stuff's fine. I don't think you're going to find many people who are opposed to that. I mean, maybe some knuckleheads who are on the very like far right who are just like in their, you know, that's not what women get to do, like but fuck them, who cares? But the 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 problem with that is that it I mean, you just need to go down the rabbit hole. There is so much about the Clintons. That is provably corrupt, and provably mm. like like they are they, the fact that they're still here. She she won't even shut up about politics. She still comments on stuff. It's like lady, just like this. This is what I don't get as well. Like, why are these old people, like, still doing? Wh- what happened to retirement? What happened to like enjoying <laughs> the rest of your life? Like uh, th- that part of it yeah, confuses it me. But but yeah, yeah, it's I don't know what the geriatric thing is. Then do like, they stop? Th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Let's
1: return back to the earth eventually.
0: I actually think what people wanted was something more radical. Like, because you're telling people that, and I'm not saying radical as in, I guess some people think of Sanders as like a rabid socialist, but I never got that impression. After I saw him on Joe Rogan, I thought he was completely measured. And when it came to a conversation that he could talk without rhetoric, he seems totally reasonable. You don't get that for every, like, Clinton. You could listen to her in a long form podcast and she still sounds completely vapid and completely surface she said she, she she trotted out all the rhetoric about social justice and about being the first woman president all that was there but the people who you needed to win over were the people who hated the clintons but also hated trump and, yeah. and after that election the democratic party did not have that realization they did not realize that, or, or they did, and they're just unwilling to change or whatever. But that realization should have put someone like Andrew Yang or even, um, what's that uh, lady's name? Um, the statesman from Hawaii. Um, Tulsi Gabbard was the other one that, like, Yang. these are young people. She served in the military. Um, like, these people, and, and they're bringing new ideas, but this is the terrifying thing. They don't want new ideas. They want to put in <laughs> their lackey and then push the same bullshit that they were doing. That's so, the thing. Yeah. Tradition. So that's the
1: thing. Tradition. You know what I heard about tradition? What's that? Um, a shower thought i read. I'm not taking credit for this. Okay. Um, but tradition. It's uh, peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> <laughs> that is tradition for you. Oh. So our, our forefathers, we're thinking at the back of our minds whenever we vote, we go, what would they have wanted? And yes. We should give them some sort of credit, some sort of a, a, a leg in the race right. for not being here and, and, and fighting on the on the battlefields for to get us the life that we have today. Um, yeah. But we need to realize that the world is changing, and we can't always fall back on our familiar faces well, and, and it's familiar like, ideologies.
0: Right. And actually, it's funny, because this is a topic for another time maybe, but I have no problem with conservative traditional values. I think there is something to be said about looking at something like the Constitution and saying, look, guys, this wasn't made yesterday. Like, the world's right. been around before you. And not all of your ideas are new, right? I'm, I'm comfortable with saying that and, and, and having that impulse kind of guard against the burn it all down and make it anew. Because your idealism is wrong on some level, right? And you need to be aware of that. Idealism, like utopian... Yeah, utopian politics is a flawed enterprise, right? I think that needs to be learned by everyone. But the problem is that it's crazy-making when you have real candidates putting actual new ideas forward, like UBI and all of Andrew Yang's policies. Who He put hundreds, I think, of policies on his websites um, that people could access. And it's crazy-making when the legacy media still thinks they're... They're having the conversation about like, uh, uh, trickle down economics, and like, and it's like, like they're still having a conversation about are psychedelics uh, dangerous? It's like, we, like you're having non-conversations, like. We, a lot yeah. of people <laughs>
1: like these questions have come up in the 60s <laughs> why are we still talking about can that's just find that's, research and figure it out for that
0: that's the problem and you're not going to have joe biden you know revolutionize psychedelic medicine you're not going to have uh it but that's but that's what they want they, they can trust that he's not going to do that and so that's why i think a lot of people look at this match-up that they got going and they're just i mean as an australian i'll say this looking in I have no problem with america i think you know they're doing what they have to do i'm definitely not uh i would definitely not consider myself arrogant or intelligent enough to comment like deeply on their political happenings but just as an outsider looking in guys joe biden versus donald trump you got a you got a big mess there i don't i don't know and i i can i totally sympathize with anyone any young person in that country that is just feeling completely abandoned and lost because, mm. thankfully, Australia isn't at that level yet because our prime minister doesn't seem as incompetent and as illiterate as uh, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump, <laughs> and he's thankfully not in his seventies, so that's good too. Yeah,
1: not yet. I think not that's yet. the big not kind yet. of. <laughs> but anyway, um, emphasis on do, that. do you have anything
0: else you want to add there?
1: Uh Nah, man, just, like, keep a lookout for your boy, uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, let's get it back in there. Poor baby.
0: Bernie, man. Poor Bernie. I mean, to be fair, he's yeah. actually another quite an old fellow going. Like, there was concerns about him as well because he had a heart attack uh, during the campaign. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, That's good. we got to do this topic another time. Like, why are there so many geriatrics holding on yeah. to this? Like, surely our culture should do something about this where we say, look, there's actually something else to life than just trying to rule the world. Like you can, <laughs> you can enjoy the last 10 years and just fuck around, hug your grandchildren, smoke some kush, do something, do, like make, I don't, <laughs> do, like do something that is clearly more fulfilling than trying to rule people.
1: <laughs> that would be great. You know? mm. I mean, you, uh, come back to, uh, people like Charles Eisenstein who say that uh, numbers are part of the problem. So when you when you um, elect someone who sees the world in numbers, that's an issue. Right. You know that that's not accurate to our reality at all. Like that's just you trying to um, reduce our experience into numbers, and that's it. As long as you boost them, that's all. Like the that's GDP all you can ask level, for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's some truth to that, but honestly, I don't know, life is so much more valuable just that.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And just to put a bow on it, the Midnight Gospel, definitely touches a lot of those conversations. So if you like that, definitely check it out. Uh, we got a bit, yes. we got a bit tangential there, but that's fine. <laughs> it's a podcast. That's what it's that for, works. man. That's what it's for. I guess. Yeah, no yeah, plans. Uh, that's it, like baby.
1: If, if Seinfeld was a podcast, yeah? it's a
0: show about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and all in between. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode of The Mate Dates
1: stay safe guys
0: <laughs> and let that sound be the whole of your experience it's quite simple it requires no effort and then along with that especially if you don't have a gong we can use what are called in the sanskrit language mantra mantra are chanted sounds which are used not so much for their meaning
1: as for the simple tone. On and saw, on and saw. on and saw,
0: on and so on and saw, on and on, and saw, on and
1: I'm not really a musician. I'm not really a musician. I'm not really a musician. Most of us think... I'm not really
0: a musician. 中文字幕志愿者